So good to be here with God's people today. I'm very excited about today's uh, kicking off this mini-series within this series. Uh, my name is Joe Davis, by the way. I'm the lead teacher here in the garden. We've been doing this uh, nine-month-long series called Move Over. It's a lectionary series. It ends up in the Gospel of Mark. And the idea behind it is move over, make way for Jesus in your life. And we start a five-week Advent series this week called Fresh Start. <clears throat> That's a button, by the way. You see that, all right? Fresh start, and step one for a fresh start is God's word, and we're going to be looking at uh, 2 Kings 22, verse 8, verses uh, actually 1 through 11, but we'll focus on 8 through 11. So uh, with that in mind, you guys, just so you understand what we do here, we like to look at the scripture three different ways. You have to understand the history of a passage. What about man? What did he do? And why did he do it? Then after that, you have to understand the, the theology of a passage. What about God? What did he do? Why did he do it? And then only after that can you really understand the devotional part of a passage about what about you, what should you do, and why should you do it? So we're kind of breaking it up a little bit differently this week. I want to start, first of all, with the first part of the history. The power of God's word is displayed in this story. Just give you a background of what's going on in 2 Kings 22. The nation of Israel is divided, and they've had a series of bad kings. But then all of a sudden, there's a good king on the horizon. His name is Josiah. He's a righteous king. And Josiah has a vision. He wants to take the nation of Israel and restore it to the time where it would worship Jehovah in the temple. So the problem is the temple is in disrepair because people had stopped caring about worshiping God. And so what he does, he hires the best, most honest carpenters in all the nation to go in and remodel the temple and get it right. And while they're there remodeling, they're tearing down walls, they're taking out the drywall, they're putting new plumbing and wires in and all that stuff, you know, new lights and everything. And while they're doing all, I'm kidding about the lights, this is the temple, it's a long time ago, no electricity. And so while they're doing that, they're breaking down the walls and something miraculous happens. So watch this. This is in 2 Kings chapter 22, 8 through 11. And Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan the secretary, the one running all the money for this remodeling, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. The nation of Israel had lost their Bible. It was hidden behind a wall for years, and nobody knew where it was. And while they're remodeling, the high priest says, while we were in there busting things up and I was directing the carpenters, we found the law. We found the Bible. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. And Shaphan, the secretary, came to the king, Josiah, right? And he reported to the king, your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house. We delivered it to the hand of the workmen who have oversight of the house. And then he said, but something else happened, king. Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. And I can imagine that when he's saying this to the king, he's starting to cry a little bit. He's like excited. He's given me this book. And he read it before the king. And when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. A symbol of humility and brokenness before God saying, everything I have is yours. I'm in complete submission to everything that I'm hearing out of this book of the law. 
And then the, the story continues in 2 Kings 23. Then the king sent, and all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem were gathered to him. So all the big important people. And the king went up to the house of the Lord, and with him all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and the priests and the prophets and all the people, both great and small. And the king read it in the hearing of all, the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before God to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments in the law and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and with all his soul to perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book and all the people joined the covenant. It would be like we lost the Declaration of Independence. And we went on for hundreds of years without the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution. And the nation was going all different ways and we'd forgotten about freedom and liberty and justice and all those things. And then one day they were clearing out Congress, doing some remodeling, and they found this document called the Declaration of Independence. Or they found this document called the Constitution. And they said, Mr. President, you're not gonna believe what we found. And they start reading it and they think, Wow, how could we have gotten so far away from our Constitution? How could we have gotten so far away from our Declaration? And in reading it, we are inspired to go back to where we began. That's what's happening in the nation of Israel at this time. That's powerful, isn't it? Can you imagine the chills up his spine when the high priest found the book of the law and started reading it? And then when the king started reading it, the people heard it? So let's look at the theology of this. What we see here in the, in the context of this story is a theology of how God uses his word. News for you, he doesn't use church programs. He doesn't use church buildings. He doesn't use church instruments. He doesn't use guitars. He doesn't use organs. You know what God primarily uses to transform the hearts and lives of people? His word. We're going to look at how he does it. First of all, God chooses to transform through the written and spoken word. And there are references I'm going to show you, and I'll read them to you, but I'm not going to put the scripture up on the screen. I want you to write them down if you're a note taker and read these this week when we think about your fresh start that I'm going to challenge you with. First of all, the scripture is the mind of God. As a matter of fact, in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, here's what it says. All scripture is breathed out by God, and all of it, all of it, not the parts we like, all of it is profitable for teaching, for correction, for reproof, for training in how to be righteous so that the man of God can be complete and equipped for every good work. The first thing you have to recognize is why does God use the word? It's because it is his mind. It is his thoughts. And all of it, all of it is profitable. The second reason that God uses his word is it is his chosen method. In Romans 10, 14 to 17, read, this is great. Paul wrote this. He says, How then will they call upon Jesus whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they've not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? And Paul writes in the last verse, So faith comes by hearing 
and hearing the word of Christ. Faith doesn't come by hearing a smooth outline by an eloquent preacher. Faith doesn't come by hearing a great song. Faith doesn't come by watching someone live a good life. Those things might help, but you know how faith comes? Hearing the gospel. That's God's chosen method to transform hearts and lives and to give us a fresh start. Bottom line. Another reason God uses the word, it is the very power of God. I got some great verses for you here. The first one is Romans chapter 1, 16 and 17. I love what Paul says here. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power, the gospel, it, the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek or Gentiles. For in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. By the way, what is faith? Thank you very much. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 is another great one. I love this one. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit of the joints and the marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. You know what that verse means? How do you think Josiah and those guys felt when they heard the word? What did the word do? It pierced their heart. When God gives you the gift of faith, when the Spirit of God moves upon you, and when you hear truth and it gives you a chill, you know what that is? That is a supernatural, miraculous experience you are having. Because God is saying, my word is powerful, and it pierces to your heart. Isn't that great how God has made his word? I mean, look, there are good church programs. We have some here at Church of the Palms and in the garden. There are some other places, other churches in town that have really good programs. i got to tell you something. I'm relieved by the fact that good programs aren't what's going to transform your heart and life. Because after a while, programs fall apart. Programs fall short. Programs are not the power of God. Money is not the power of God. Light shows aren't the power of God. Great musicians, which we have fantastic musicians, are not the power of God. The gospel is the power of God. So what's the devotional part of this? How can you make sure you get a fresh start from God's word? Well, the first one is you have to be where it will be taught. In Acts chapter 2, uh, 42 to 43, I'll just read it. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What were they teaching? They were teaching the gospel. And they are devoted to fellowship and breaking of the bread and prayers together. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And why? Because of the power of the gospel. So the first thought for you is, if you really want transformation in your life, if you really want a fresh start, you're wasting your time unless you're where it's going to be taught, period. Other things might encourage you and help you, and there are times and places for that, but if you really want transformation, you better be where the word is taught. If a place doesn't revere the word of God and see it as the mind 
method and power of how God works, then it's not a place you're going to be able to turn to for the power of transformation or redemption, period. To tap into the power of God in your life, it must start by being around the teaching of God's word. The next thing you must do if you want a fresh start, pray for understanding because, guys, some of it is very confusing. Psalm 119.34, David says this, Give me understanding and I shall keep your statutes. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. That Hebrew word, give me understanding, it says this. It's asking for a caused understanding, a given action. It isn't, I'm going to try to figure this out. You know what David is saying? I'm not good enough to understand what it means. Give me passively understanding. It's kind of like the gift of faith. And the whole heart, what does that mean? It means, that Hebrew word means the very core of your appetites, the very core of your emotions, the very core of your passions, the very core of your thoughts and your knowledge and your memory. That's what the whole heart means. It means it's about everything that you could ever be passionate about, everything you could ever be understanding about, everything you could ever have emotions about, everything that you would ever have wandering thoughts about, everything that you could ever even remember about is what the whole heart means. The next thing you must do if you want to have a fresh start with God's word, you better submit to its instructions. This is the part that's going to be hard for some of you with the way I'm going to present it. Psalm 119, 9 to 11. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. You know what the word cleanse means? It's very simple. I know this sounds, this sounds really hard, right? Submit to everything God's word says. Well, that's impossible because I'm a sinner. You know what it means? To be translucent, innocent, and clear. You know what that means? Vulnerable, humble, broken, honest. That's what the, the, the word cleanse means. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It means you're vulnerable. It means you're humble. It means you're hearing, that you're teachable, that you don't think that you have somehow religiously arrived because of your church accomplishments. So how do we lose the word anyway? How did the, how did the Jewish nation, how did Israel lose the word? It's a pretty important thing, you would think, and somehow we go far afield from it all the time. How do we lose? Well, I'll tell you the first step is by when we selectively embrace stuff in it that we like, and we dismiss the stuff that we don't like by saying things like, oh, that's not culturally relevant anymore. And the more you do that, the more you take the things you like, and dismiss the stuff you don't like, or the more you take the things you like to apply to others, and not yourself, the more you do that, the more irrelevant the word of God becomes, step by step by step. Because the natural trend, if you start dismissing portions, pretty soon, because of our human nature, you will dismiss all of it, and you will lose it the loose place of where it is. That's what happened with Israel. And after a while, they lost track of the word of God because they became two things, arrogant and liberal. And I don't mean liberal politically. I mean as in what the word of God taught. I don't care about politics. You guys know that has no place up here. But they became arrogant in judging others, 
illiberal in what they allowed in their own lives regarding what the Word of God taught. They still embraced religion of all types. As a matter of fact, not only did they embrace Judaism, but they started embracing Baal worship and all these other things. They embraced lots of religion. They were still very religious people, but the power was gone because they had misplaced the word of God in their hearts slowly over time. Let me illustrate this in a very graphic way of how this happens. So let's say there's a part, just don't freak out on me, okay? Just bear with me, I promise you. You'll get this. Let's say there's a part in the word of God that's uh, about loving your neighbor as yourself. But your neighbor puts up a fence you don't like. I'm not going to apply that one. Let's say the part about thou shalt not commit adultery, but you fall into sin. I'm not going to apply that. The parents get older and you don't want to take care of them. Honor your mother and your father. I'm not going to forget about that. We don't need that one. After a while, you start tearing out different parts that you don't like. And pretty soon, you don't even bother tearing anymore. You just put it aside. Now relax, it's not a real Bible. (laughs) It's just a leather-bound book. But you know what's funny? How did it make you feel when I was tearing books, tearing pages out of that book? Did you go, ugh? They cringe a little bit. Pastor Joe, you sure you want to do that up there? Yes. It's amazing that we get more emotional about paper being torn out of a leather-bound book rather than ignoring the words that are written on the pages of paper to begin with, isn't it? We get so caught up in the idolatry of the book, and we forget about the power of the words. And we begin to discount portions of it. And once we start doing that, It's just a matter of time before we set the whole thing aside as irrelevant and we become detached from its power to transform our hearts and minds. And that, my friends, is what Israel did. By the way, just to prove it, this is a handbook on leadership, a leather-bound book, handbook on leadership. (laughs) So I got you, though, didn't I? Let me share with you my Josiah moment. I did it on Saturday. Maybe it was Friday or Saturday. I can't remember what day it was. I wanted to kind of, if I'm going to try to recreate for you how Josiah must have felt, I need to create it for my, recreate it for myself. So I decided to search for my old Bible that I haven't used probably in 15 years because everything went digital, you know. <clears throat> so let me tell you a story about this Bible. I was 19. I was uh, definitely not walking with God. I knew God had called me to ministry, but I really had no interest in it at the time. And I found myself in a very difficult situation. I had made bad decisions, so I was out of money. I was living in a car for a little bit. Okay, like a day. Okay. (laughs) But it was enough to scare me. And I knew something was not right. I had lost the power of God in my life. This is a true story. So I took my class ring, high school class ring. It was a very nice one. I pawned it. I only got 80 bucks for it. I put $20 in the gas tank. And with the other 60, I went to a Christian bookstore, and I bought myself a Bible. And it was this one right here. 
And it was my source of power for almost 20 years. And I decided, you know what? I haven't seen that Bible in so long. I'm going to go look for it. So I rummaged through the garage. I went upstairs in the attic, and I looked underneath the staircase. And after going through about six or seven boxes, lo and behold, at the bottom of the last box I checked was this. And I pulled it out. And I started going through some of the notes that I had made, some sermons that I had heard. I remember turning. I guys, you guys, I've told you about Psalm 51, right, and how much that has meant to me over the years. Like I would read it every day, have mercy upon me, O God. And I looked, and yep, there's some stains there it is, Psalm 51. There's a star there. There's spaghetti sauce right there. And there's, things are underlined, right? And so I started looking through some of the notes of some of the things that I had remembered from God's Word, and I got nostalgic for my Bible again. I got nostalgic for the Word of God again. And I began to look at different places, you know. And, and I remember this one. And I, I remember when I went through a difficult time, when, when I had gone through a difficult, horrible breakup, and I felt betrayal, and I was looking at Psalm 142, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart feels desolate. I remember that, and I could teardrop stains on it. I can see this one in Isaiah chapter 14 when I've got all these parentheses and lines. I started studying the major prophets, and I thought I was really smart because I was starting to understand them. And it was amazing what I remembered just by finding my old Bible. And it reminds me of how important it is to go back to God's word often. How about you? Have you lost the power of God's word in your busy life? Are you discounting some of it is no longer relevant when in reality all of it is profitable, all of it is inspired, all of it is authoritative? Does the Bible in your heart kind of look like that one on the screen? Rediscovering God's word is your first step to a fresh start. So here's my challenge for you this week. This was my exercise, right? I just said, I'm going to go find my old Bible. And I hunted for it for about 30, 45 minutes. And I got a little sense, probably a little sense of what Josiah felt. Come up with something in your own life this week that makes you go back and remember the first time you fell in love with what this book said to you. Or maybe you've never really fallen in love yet. That's okay too. Maybe God is making you falling in love with it today for the first time. Maybe you get a fresh, fresh start. Because today you're saying, wow, there is power in the gospel. I resonate with what Pastor Joe was saying. Rediscovering God's word is the first step for a fresh start.